The Solheim Cup is upon us this weekend, as is Live Golf Chicago. Plus, there's been a very interesting interview with Fox News from, of course, Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. Plus, we've got a cheeky conspiracy theory featuring one Min Woo Lee. This is Golf Lovers United, where we discuss golf the fairway. My name is Mark at Golf Dad UK, and I'm joined as ever. By the insatiable Jay at Pro Golf Critic. Hello, Jay. You all right, my friend? You good? Yeah, things are go- going great. Thanks. Good, man, as always. Nice to see you. And the fantastic Ben, who can hit a five iron 230 yards one day and 130 yards the next day. How are you, my friend? You all good? Yeah, and both days it can go left and right 130. Yeah, I'm very good. Had a fantastic, <laughs> had a fantastic week of golf. Um, played with uh, Matt Travis, who's um, going on the Challenge Tour, Alp Tour, and... Uh, a few other bits next year and with Scott Drummond who we have had as a guest and got to play with both of them we did a three-hole match um, you know, it was great fun Just being next to those elite golfers and watching Matt hit a three iron 285 yards it was a bit downhill we're not going to pretend it wasn't but it was 286 carried to the green and he hit a three iron about two and a half feet short of the green it was unbelievable yeah, it's always fascinating to watch that. You realise how, you, you see this at events, you know what it's like. You go to a live event, you go to a PGA Tour event, DP World Tour event, even just standing on the sidelines and, and just hearing the sound and watching the trajectory. It just, it's a different game to those guys. So that sounds like a lot of fun. We're actually going to put out an interview that you two chaps did with Scott Drummond next week. That is coming on episode seven here at glugc.com. And I can tell you, it's a fantastic, fantastic interview. We touch on a lot of things and uh, we do name drop, of course. How can you not, in this discussion, one Mr. Tiger Woods? So listen in for that one next week here at glugc.com. That'll be episode seven. You can get that as you can with every single episode in your podcast app of choice. Solheim Cup 2023 hits Andalusia this weekend. We've got a bit of a preview coming up there. And... I'm going to go straight in on this one, actually. I'm going to go straight in on this one. I've seen a couple of news reports recently um, about the potential missed opportunity of back-to-back Solheim and Ryder Cups uh, being so close together, both physically, you know, in, in, in one in Spain and Andalusia and one in Italy, which to, to me in England, that's like, that's not close. To you guys in America, Jay, you're thinking, yeah, that's close. It's a whole different world. And and obviously in timings as well, you know, week after week, it's it's it's... It's interesting that that's happened. And there's been very little co-promotion. It felt like, to a lot of people, and I have to agree with this, that it felt like a bit of a missed opportunity. So, uh, Jay, what are, you, what are your takes on this, man? Any thoughts on the Solheim and the Ryder Cup missed opportunity? Yeah, you know, I think this is a microcosm of <laughs> what, what's been going on in the golf world uh, between the men's and the women's game for... <clears throat> Pretty much as, as long as I, I can remember, uh, you know, there's been some glimmers of uh, being a little little bit more collaboration. Like I know 10 years ago, uh, the U.S. Open had uh, the men's open and then the women's open at Pine, uh, Pinehurst. Uh, they, they had it on the same course, very, very close to each other, which, which I, th- I thought was, was actually really interesting. And I thought it was some, something that they were going to uh, try to do and capitalize on uh, later on. Clearly that hasn't happened at all. Um, uh, you know, I think that the, the women's game though, they're uh, you know, they're, <laughs> there are these things that, that sort of happen uh, uh, that make you realize how much 
uh, more difficult they have it just in their travel uh, like all this drama around Danielle Kang's lost bag um, and it's like wait a minute like what like what's what's going on with <laughs> travel are these players really they're like responsible for their own travel and like making it over there like the, the Ryder Cup team uh, the, the US team just chartered a flight and uh, trust me there was no chance of Brooks Kepka losing his golf clubs during that track. So I think that uh, that's kind of a mic- microcosm for what, what's going on there. And, you know, I definitely think there could be more co-promotion. And, and you know, it's something that, um, again, I think that this is where Live Golf can sort of come in and, and I'll potentially uh, take that baton from the PJ tour who hasn't, hasn't really done almost any uh, co uh, co-promotion with uh, the LPGA, you know, and I do think that uh, the fact that the uh, Solheim and the Ryder cup are so close uh, uh, together and uh, you know, fairly close in geography. Like I'm um, I'm <laughs> even though I am based in the, in the U S I am uh, sort of savvy enough uh, uh, to know Spain and Italy aren't that far, <laughs> far from each other. So I definitely think that there could have been a little, little bit, bit more uh, to do there. But you know, look, it is what it is. I know Stacy Lewis, the U.S. captain, talked um, about that um, a lot this past week, um, and there isn't really much you, you could do about about it now. So I am excited to uh, watch the Solheim. Uh, Solheim Cup. It's actually going to be like perfect timing in the U.S. B- because you're you're going to have the Solheim Cup in the morning, um, and then literally when the coverage is over, it's exactly when Live Chicago starts. So it's actually like like a, uh, a perfect timing there. Um, I don't know if that was coordinated at all, but it, it definitely seems seems like it's uh, pretty convenient. So uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a good Sol- uh, Solheim Cup though. It's going to be. Uh, two really evenly matched teams, um, and we'll have, we'll have to see how it goes. But um, I do favor the European team a little bit, but um, I'm I'm not going to predict who who's going to win be- because you could just never win those. So, uh, but I do think it's going to be close, and I and I do slightly favor the European team. Is that is that down to team? Is that down to course setup? Is that down to to, to other factors? You know, the home advantage. You know, where where you going with that one? Is it is it a multitude of those things? Yeah, it's a couple things. Uh, I I do think that you know the European team on paper is probably a little bit stronger than the U.S. team, uh, just you know top to bottom, uh, especially like the Europe uh, European top six to eight. I think is really really strong. Um, and usually, like you do have this scenario where the uh, the U.S. team is a little bit longer off the tee on average, but that's actually not the case with, with the Sol- Solheim Cup th- this year at all. Um, I definitely think that the, the Euro- European team is a little bit, bit longer. And from what I've heard about this particular course, um, it probably favors the, the longer hitter a little bit more. Um, and I do think that there is just like this inherent in, um, advantage to sort of being on your home soil. Um, I, I will say there is a really interesting thing with with the uh, grasses there. How the uh, that that particular course, uh, you know, they have grass that's a little bit more 
um, American-like, where you have this Bermuda turf that is a little bit uh, harder to chip off of. Like, uh, trust me, I lived in the Southeast United States for a few years. Uh, I still have PTSD from chipping off of Bermuda grass. It's different. It's much, much different from you know, chipping from fescue or, or chipping from ryegrass and such. So uh, I do think that the course is a little bit different uh, than what you, you would see in Europe norm, uh, normally. But, you know, I, I do think whenever you're uh, on home soil, I, I think that the fans are, are going to be a little, little bit more on your side. And I do think, you know, I, I favor the Euro- European team a little bit more. I think it's interesting that as well. I, I just, I, I don't want to, I don't want to do the thing where you just always bring it back to the Ryder Cup and the men's game at all. But just this week at the at the BMW over at Wentworth, we saw um, certainly players. I want to say people like let's be honest, like people like Shane Lowry. All right, he had a decent showing. Um, granted, like Ludwig Eberg, he had a. He had, I don't want to say he had a blow up because three over is not necessarily a blow up. It's not. A <laughs> yeah, I mean, he kind of blew up the last day, but it's all good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, but it's, it wasn't a six over or, or anything. It was just, you know, to me, it was just a, a dodgy round. It wasn't necessarily a crazy blow. But what I'm, the point I'm getting to, I guess, is that um, playing over on home soil, even on events running up to collaborative team events like the Ryder Cup, the Solheim, and, and so on and so forth, it it's amazing how you can sort of look back a couple of weeks and we're saying things like, you know, should Lowry have been there? You know, what's Fleetwood going to be like? What's Hovland going to be like? And you know, they all had a decent showing and it's, I just often wonder if there's a mentality shift when, even if you're not in a team environment and you're not at the event, you're not at the Ryder Cup or the Solheim Cup, but even if you're just, you're just almost in the frame of mind that, right, I am home, here we are, this is my turf, off we go. You know, I, I think you see it a lot of the times, like with Max Homer, he plays fantastically in California and in LA. You see Scheffler, uh, uh, Xander Shaffley, he's Tory Pines. He, you know, he plays well out there. Um, I just, I always just wonder how much there is to be said for that. You know, I, it just fascinates me how that mental- mentality can shift. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said, said for that. Uh, confidence as a golfer, like it's something that you can't really quantify. Uh, it's, it's something you, <laughs> you either have it or you don't. Um, and I do think that uh, that that's actually been one of the uh, huge keys to uh, the Ryder Cup teams performing so well, especially Europe on home soil, is that they have this system where they have been able to build up the confidence of all of their players so that uh, when it comes to actually playing in the Ryder Cup, those guys are playing their best. Like there's uh, there is a particular mentality to it. There, there's something um, in the formula uh, formula that that they figured out that really works. Um, I don't know if it's going to work for them this year because they've had so many people, uh, key key Ryder Cup people that that have been uh, removed. Where I don't know if that same formula is really going to work this year. That's the really interesting part of the Ryder Cup to me. So you know, but I I do think that the European team they have. The Solheim Cup team has a lot of confidence that that they built up from uh, the last Sol- Solheim Cup that, that was in the U.S. where they uh, they won. Uh, granted, the team's a little bit bit different this time time around, but uh, Leona McGuire was the MVP of the last Solheim. I think that she 
certainly could be the MVP of this particular Sol- Solheim Cup, especially uh, given the fact that I, I know that she has a lot of experience uh, playing on that particular grass, the Bermuda grass, because she she went to my home college and I know all about Duke University Golf Club. And there's a lot of Bermuda grass around there that chip chip off them. So I um, and I think she already has a, a great short uh, short game anyway. So you know, I, I do think that there are these confidence things that are built into the teams. I think that when you're home, you're just chances are you are going to perform a little bit better. Um, I, w- I was actually doing a little, little bit more an, um, analysis. And I do think that there's actually a chance that the European team uh, could win quite easily in the Sol- Solheim Cup. Again, I'm I'm not predicting it. Um, I want to see a, a close one like like I, I want to see in all of the team competitions. So we'll, we'll have to see how that goes. Fascinating. Yeah, this time next week, we'll, we'll be a little wiser on what has happened in the Solheim Cup. We're looking forward to that one. Obviously closely followed by, as we said over at Marco Simone, the Ryder Cup 2023. And yeah, you're going you're gonna to have a weekend of golf, mate. You're going to smash out the Solheim Cup straight into Live Chicago. And a few stories playing out there as well. We've got a few different scenarios in which Cam Smith can uh, take the individual title. We've got some Taylor Gooch. Uh, opportunity in there as well and a sneaky Patrick Reed knocking in there as well so are you looking forward to that one obviously we're kind of coming up to the season finale over in Doral um how are you feeling about Chicago for, for the live golf event uh yes yeah, super excited for it uh you know it's been a it's been a while since our, our last live event you know and I know it's been kind of a frustration of a lot of live fans is that we have kind of had the these large gaps um uh in between tournaments but this this is all by design like um the uh, schedule was sort sort of created thinking that uh the players would would be able to uh play in some some of the europe european tour events uh they also thought that that they would be able to potentially play in the you know fedex cup playoffs and stuff stuff like that so they didn't want to sort of uh didn't didn't want to double up uh those particular events so uh, yeah, I I think that uh, Chicago obviously has been a um, a little bit of a break there. Uh, you know, Cam Smith was like super hot uh, the last few events prior, but uh, you know, Bedminster he obviously won, but you know, it's been over a month since since, and so it's really hard to sort of maintain that same level of play. Uh, we'll have to see. He is the defending champion uh, at, at Live Golf. Chicago. Um, I think that it's obviously very hard to win uh, again. So uh, I don't necessarily favor him to win this particular event. Um, however, you know, I, I think some of the in- interesting things about Chicago that I've been noticing online is that, uh, and this is more less to do with the golf, but, but more to do with uh, sort of everything around the golf. Uh, I was looking at the uh, pro am, uh, the Live Golf Chicago pro am, you know, and sort of all of the people that that are going to be playing in it. Um, and speaking of someone that that's played in a few of these pro ams, like this is a uh, kind of a who's who. Just to read off some some of the names of the guys that that are going to be uh, uh, participating, Ken Griffey Jr., who's like like one of the greatest base. Uh, baseball players of all time 
is going to be there. Uh, we got Bo Jackson, who's like one of the greatest athletes, uh, uh, a football player and baseball, uh, baseball player of all time. We've got uh, a, a bunch of the barstool guys, which is really in- interesting to me. Uh, pretty much <laughs> like like the entirety of bar of barstool is there outside of foreplay, which which is a really interesting, really interesting dynamic there. You know, like like you have, uh, you know, probably three or four barstool guys that are going to be playing in this uh, 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 particular event, um, uh, including I, th- I think it's Big Cat is playing with Brooks Kepka. Uh, I think they're going to film some of it too. So you start to see these things with Liv that like that would have never happened last year. There, there's no chance of that uh, happening. But uh, the roads are starting to open. Uh, open up a lot of those barriers that we talked about with Jerry Fultz. Uh, those are starting to be removed. And that to me is like one of the most exciting things about live is I want to see what happens with live golf. Now that we've had a lot of these barriers removed. So uh, I'm really excited for Chicago, uh, you know, rich harvest farms that that course has kind of, kind of grown on me a little, little bit, but, you know, it's not my favorite live course, uh, but it is a, a high quality course um, and it's not necessarily in Chicago either. It's kind of like I've heard it's like 45 minutes to an hour away, but you no, know, it is what it is. Um, uh, but yeah, really look, looking forward to it. So, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see um, how the uh, tournament goes. Ben, we've got quite a, a decent schedule actually as, as we wrap up the lift season we've got obviously over to Jeddah on October 13th um, uh, followed by the team championship over in Miami the, the week after which which Jay you're going to be participating in um, when it comes to, the, to next year's schedule do you think we talked about this a little bit with Jerry uh, and you've just mentioned it as well Jay do you, do you do you anticipate we'll see any any tighter up events will will there be in your opinion anything that gives us more to watch when it comes to live, whether that is, you know, more in the schedule or whether it's different placements in the schedule. I'm not saying they would move from a weekend to a weekday, but there are golf gaps Monday through Wednesday. So what do you anticipate when it comes to 20, 2024 and beyond, mate? Well, look, I, I think I've been very clear that, and I think when we spoke to Jerry, when you speak to a few other people, that the live live experience is superb, but there are gaps in the day where I think, adding a couple more teams. And I know we'll speak about the MBS stuff later in the future live. I think the future live is very clear. As many of us who are close to an open-minded would have seen, it's it's going to work and it's going to be here and that's not a problem. And I think that what appears to me to be, we had the players meeting yesterday. I say we, I wasn't there. The live players meeting yesterday where they talked about the schedule and what's coming forward. If what I've been told is correct by a couple of different people, there will be a maximum of seven events in the US. So that's going to be a big difference. Um, there's going to be a maximum. That seven maximum is is quite different from where we were. There might be six. It's going to be interesting to see how that how that works out. But it's obvious with Live that the, fu- the future is taking this globally. I don't think that the conversation about Korea has come from nowhere. Um, It's very obvious they're looking to have a couple of other Asian events. And I think Korea makes a fantastic place to have one. 
And I would not be surprised at all to see if there's a career event and that would take away one of the US events. And I wouldn't be surprised at all to see if there's a Scotland or Ireland event taking away one of another event from the US. So you could see an eight and six, which I think is the most likely. It could be seven and seven, but I think it'd be eight and six, eight outside of the USA. And where it goes in the schedule, I think much of that though, Mark, for us is going to be very difficult to understand with how is this agreement working together going to work out? Um, but I think that the really exciting thing, and I went to live London, which I know Jay said about um, Rich Harvest Farms not being in Chicago. Like I live London wasn't in London. But firstly, there's only about six courses that are, you could call London, really, Mark, aren't there? Really, there's only about six because you're not getting anything in the centre of London. There's not many inside the M25 per se. There's some right on the edge of the M25, obviously, before all the morons start writing. There's about 30 courses inside the M25. Yeah, but they're not inside of London, so stop it. Just put your keyboard down and have a minute off. But Live London, was it, was it, um, was at a course that's 45 minutes away, a bit like with Harvest Farms. But the turnout was incredible. When you think that event was 45 minutes from London at Centurion, the turnout was ridiculous. Every day full. So I think Liv know that they can fill another event if they do one in Scotland or Ireland. So I think they know they can fill a Scotland and Ireland event. We've already heard that Australia's going to go at the start of the schedule. Does that mean there's going to go Australia to start schedule and just one Australia? Or are they going to do two? So we've got really interesting things to consider there. Are there going to be two Australia events? Is there going to be a Scotland or an Ireland event? Is there going to be a career event? It's really, really exciting. I've said, and I'm not, not trying to take away from the American audience, Jay, you know that. I, I actually think it should be five in the US, and I think they should stick one in South Africa. South Africa was the home of golf for so many, a home of golf, not the, a home of golf for many years. Many people played that South African Open in Joburg. It was a big event. It was always a big event. People went from all over the world to play it. The best players in the world turned out. I'd love to see a South Africa event, an Australia event, a career event, one in Scotland or Ireland. I don't think there's the market maybe to do both and have an England England event, but that's what I think is going to happen. And I'm really excited to see that. I'd love to see... I'd love to see that as well. Something more accessible to the uh, the people that aren't generally into golf. If, if Liv is going to grow the game, as 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 is the one of the taglines that we, we often hear, I, I love the idea, and we talked about it with Jerry of, of making it more accessible from a pricing perspective, from um from a live event perspective, as you alluded to Ben as well, but also just making sure that the courses are just easy to get to like the, the the one in london centurion like yeah it's 45 minutes out of london but it's dead easy to get to like there's absolutely no problem at all getting to it um jay what would you like to see over in the us next year from a live perspective any changes to the courses where would you like to see them any any personal preference on where you'd like to see them go yes i have been clamoring for live to come to california pretty much since before uh live was even a thing so um and i know they they is this just a is this just a commuting thing Jay? It's just, just commuting isn't it it's just a logistical thing for you no, mate yeah it's yeah not just... can't believe it <laughs> i mean americans do have a rep- reputation for being uh that selfish just ask anybody at the pga tour obviously that being said you know uh it isn't just uh proximity for me it's quality of courses and quality of weather like there are certain times of the year here in California where you don't have to worry about rain outs. You don't have to worry about thunderstorms. You don't have to worry about being 
um, excessively hot most most of the time. Uh, which which is part of the reason why I've been campaigning for the PJ Tour to instead of having their Tour Championship and FedEx Cup playoffs in like the the hottest places on on Earth, like they should be having more of those tournaments in California. So if if that that means shifting Pebble Beach to the uh, summertime to make make it a, a playoff event, that would make a ton of sense to me. So it isn't just a selfish thing for me. Trust me, even though I do want to be, you know, closer to it to a live live event. Um, and I know I've talked to a couple people at Live about about this, and I know that they've been scouting a few different places um, in California, Southern California in particular. Um, I would love love to see a Northern California event um, eventually, but uh, that's kind of a story for another day. I, I've got some things that I'm work working on there to. Uh, potentially influence that but um so yeah i I think five to six uh u.s events is probably the right number um i'd love to see obviously you know doral is a really important sort of historical event uh i I definitely think they need to keep that i'd love to see them them keep a a, um a west coast one which, which means either arizona or california they're probably gonna gonna keep Bedminster, which I think that they they should. It's a major championship quality course. Um, I'd love to see them. Uh, arguably, have arguably their arguably their best course, like it's arguably top one or two of the of the live calendar, oh. isn't it? Oh, oh I, can, I think that uh, Doral and Bedminster are probably the top two courses in the U.S. That Stop overlooking places. Valderrama. Stop being so American. Places exist. <laughs> no, I'm, the I'm US. talking Stop specifically it. in the U.S. Okay, Valderrama okay, to okay. me is my favorite course that live live plays. So let's let's just make make that abundantly clear. So uh so so I can see see those uh Chicago seems like it's going to be in the rotation because again it's a it's a market that that the PJ Tour is abandoned for the most most part. Even though they did just play the BMW Championship there in the playoffs, they're only going to go there maybe once every five six seven years. So it's not like it's in the ro- rotation for a PJ Tour golf, um, and then the other one can, can kind of be a wild card. Like I, I can see them going back uh, to uh, to Boston. I've actually talked to a few people from Boston. Um, F- FYI, uh, Boston is my least favorite city in, in the United States. However, they they do deserve more golf there. I'll give them credit for that. So I would lo- love to see see live live go back. Uh, to Boston, so uh, probably five or six is the right uh, the right number because I I do think that it's really important that live grow the game globally. Like South Africa would be a great uh, great idea. I've actually had people re- reach out to me that are uh, Stinger fans from South Africa that that like want to see a, a sort of Stinger home event, um, and I think it could be pretty well well attended. So. You know, we'll, we'll have to see how that, it'll be that goes. It'll be, it'll be full. It'll be absolutely rammed. I, I talk about the fact that my mum's South African, um, and I, so I'm half South African. I got, I got an affinity with the potatoes. And South Africa's got a great golfing heritage, great golfing history, and it just feels that oh, they get one or two dreadfully attended player level wise disservice almost to with the DP World Tour that. I get, I get it. It's a long, long way for the DP World Tour players, and those guys are grinding for not a small purse. I think it was like a two and a half million pound purse for one of the two South Africa events last year. Now, if you're 
you've got you've got to make the cut to make like 15 16,000 roughly so you're going to fly to South Africa with your caddy possibly with your coach to make the cut to make 17,000 pound i'm not saying that 17,000 pound isn't a lot of money but when you put three blokes on a plane pay for their hotel pay for their food and when you make the cut you get 17 grand you're probably going to walk away with a thousand pound maybe two if you make the cut like but having a live event there and with a live show and the way live is done, you get the best players in the world. And I believe South Africa deserves that. And also look at that South African talent coming through. They've got incredible talent coming out of South Africa at the moment. That's true. Um, you know, and I was actually thinking about the uh, President's Cup uh, 20 years ago that, that they had where the U.S. and the international team tied uh, where – there's that, that that famous picture of Gary Player and Jack Nicholas sharing sharing the trophy and sort of holding hands. Uh, that seemed like it was a pretty well attended event. I don't know exactly the geography of South South Africa, but now that the uh, again these barriers are being removed, that seems like a great place to potentially have a live event. So uh, I, I guess cer- certainly see South Africa um, in the mix. I could see South South America at some some point. Obviously, with uh, Torque, you know, ha- having their that that really so- sort of being the Latin American team, uh, I could certainly see them p- potentially having an event there. Um, India is one that seems to be gaining a little bit of momentum, maybe not for the next you know couple years, but I mean, having Lahiri, uh, hearing him and Bryson talk about what what they're trying trying to do. Getting more people playing playing golf in India that's really fascinating to me. Like I, th- I think India is a totally untapped market. You're the CEO of a hero at um, Live London. Like you, you got one that you got. You got a huge, huge, massive Indian business, one of the biggest in the world, and their CEO is at Live London. Like it's, it doesn't take a genius to work out where that's going to end up. Moving that through to actually thinking more about this, we've we had an interview this week, um, Crown Prince uh, Mohammed bin Salman on, on Fox News, uh, talks all things PIF, golf, all sports. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a fairly wide-reaching interview. Um, discusses a lot of political elements from the country as well and, and, and digs into a heck of a lot. But uh, Ben, some of the golf stuff to come out of it from Liv's perspective. I know you had some thoughts on this one. So give us a quick recap um, what MBS has gone through, what he said, and uh, let's let's just pick apart some of these th- these comments. Yeah, so Brett Beyer of um, Fox News did a um, an interview, a long interview, a walking interview. It looked like it probably took best part of a day, maybe even over a couple of days, how they did it. They, they went around Saudi Arabia. They looked at some of the projects to do in the island they talked about this 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 big project they've got where they're building this big long city through Saudi Arabia. they talked about loads of stuff and about how the how they're developing in their in the world and what they're doing and obviously they've got so much oil it's unbelievable but how they've accrued that wealth and what they're looking at other ways of of branching out and creating revenue within their country which is what let's look country's done it forever you look at the u.s the u.s had a heavily based oil oil business oil economy in in, in texas in the in the 70s 60s 70s 80s 90s and then you then you diversify and look at other things so this is very natural for places to do and he was asked about the, the, the live golf and pga tour merger and we've heard many people say 
and talk about it being a PIF and PJ Tour merger. And the Live haters have jumped on that and gone, there's no mention of Live. It's going to be PIF and PJ Tour are going to be in full control. I like to do that voice when I talk about internet morons. It makes me feel happy because um, that's how I hear them speak. I can also hear their mum calling them for tea, um, <clears throat> which is fine if you're 12, but a lot of these people in their mid-40s in their basements. But hey, let's move on from that. And he said, it's a wonderful thing. Now the two organisations can focus on developing the sport of golf. He didn't say PIF. He said live. He talked about live and the PGA Tour being the two organisations that can focus on developing the sport of golf. It's a game changer for the golf industry. You'll have focus in developing the game and that's good for golf and good for players. And he went on to talk about the benefit of live and PGA tour working together, not PIF investing in live and uh, PIF investing in PGA tour and live vanishing. He talks about live and a PGA tour working together on developing golf. Now I know that's going to stick in the throats of the 45 year olds living in the basement who want to pretend the world doesn't spin, but it does. And the world is a big place. People are allowed to invest their money where they want. And he's made it very, very clear how it's going to be. It's live and the PGA tour. But Ben, I was told, I was told that, that Jay Monahan was going to kill live. And that's what everybody in the corrupt golf media has been talking about for the last Three months. Jay, Jay, Jay. Jay Monaghan couldn't kill a beer. Like, do you know what I mean? The guy, we, we, I, he's not, I don't think he's a bad person. I just think he's incompetent and inept, which is a dreadful mix when you're CEO of anything. Um, <clears throat> what, 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 what attributes do you bring to your CEO leadership? I bring um, ineptitude and incompetence. How does that work? Yeah, that's fine. Come on board. I have 9 million a year in a private jet. We need a root and branch cleanup. And I would imagine that for most people who want to see golf be developed, what we would love, and I would love, is I'd love a strong PGA Tour and a strong PGA Tour leadership that take matters like that seriously and developing golf seriously. I would like to see a strong live with a great global tour and a global offering with team events. And I would love to see them working together. I don't mind if Rory and John Rahm and a few others don't come and play live because they want to stick where they are. That's fine. I don't even mind if the PGA tour say, Hey guys, you can't come back and play. That's their choice. But we need now for everyone to start working together and the PGA Tour and the media that cover it. And I'll be fair, there are a good number of the media and the recently who've been a bit more vocal about the leadership and about some of the other issues. I think we need to hold the feet to the fire and try and sort this out. Let's get a root and branch PGA Tour cleaned up. It is the Premier Tour. I'm a live fan, but it is the Premier Tour because of the players that are on it but it's not that too far apart anymore. So let's have two premium products and premium tours offering great golf. I'd love to see that. Is, is live really a premium product at this point? And I'm, I'm taking this from the perspective of if you launch anything at all, right? It never launches in the state that it ends up in. We talked about it with Jerry and we, we talked, is it, is it? And and this is not saying it's not. It's just challenging the thought that it's not got work to do. And I know we oh, think it's got different. work to that's do. That's a different question though, Mark. It, it, can it get better? Definitely. But, but is, is it a premium, premium? product? 
Yeah, well, look, you look, look at some of the names in it. Look at what they're doing. Look at the, the their one thing you know is premium is their coverage, and you know their coverage is premium because the PGA Tour and a DP World Tour have stolen elements, stolen wrong word, copied elements, imitations of a sincere form of flattery. They copied elements of it with their graphics on the screen and other things like. That. They've copied elements of that. You the, that the production. I personally believe the live production is way better than PGA Tour, and somewhat better than the DP World Tour. I think maybe the DP World Tour has got some of the best commentators alongside Liv, better than the PGA Tour. I think the I think the team format's great. I love that. I know a lot of people don't, but they like to say they don't like stuff when they actually do. Hey, if you watch everything I do and complain about it, you're still a fan, Absolutely. Right? No. Oh, absolutely. That's what I've been, been saying. You know what I mean? Like they, wa- they watch every event. They complain about it. Yeah. I, I think... Like, could, could it get better, Mark? Of course. Is there depth maybe without being horrible to some of the players and how they're playing? And I'm not going to pick on Martin Keimer. I'm not being horrible because he's had some injuries. But you can argue that that Keimer and Chase Kepka, Siwon Kim haven't been playing lights at golf, but they are at the bottom of that 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 slate of players. So that, that goes without saying they are at the bottom slate of players. But just because you've got some lower end players doesn't mean that the top end isn't good. You look at that low end of the PGA Tour in a 130 person event. There's a lot of there's a lot of not great players in there. I say not great. They're going to beat me by 30 shots. But you know what I mean. There's a lot of club pros in PGA Tour events. Like somebody was just coming at me on social media last week when the Fortnite Championship was uh, like you know being played here uh, uh, in. Uh, in Napa, a shout out to uh, 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 Sahith Thagala for the win. Uh, but if you look at the bottom end of that championship, there are club pros. There are people that you've never heard of. Uh, like at this particular point, everybody in the the world of golf has, has heard of Chase Kepka. Like he's a known he's a known brand at this at this this point, along with um, everybody else at Edliv, which is. Part of the reason why that that model is better because you have 48 players where you get to know them over the course of a season so that those players become their own brands in addition to the teams becoming their their own brands. PGA Tour events, if you look at the the bottom half of it, especially players that that maybe missed the cut or the bottom uh, 10 to 20 percent of the leaderboard is going to be a bunch of guys that you've never heard of before. And that's that's totally fine. Like I, uh, there are certain PJ Tour events that that I like, but I don't want people to like have any aspersions about every PJ Tour event being this. Oh, this is all the cream of the cr- cream of the crop players in the world. That is a total farce. So, like, yes, some of the elevated events, the or signature events that they're they're going to call it next next year. Yeah, though. Those are going to be premium events that that have the cream of the crop PGA Tour players. Maybe there's also going to be some live players where we have a little bit more crossover. I do think that that's probably going to be part of the agreement that that gets finalized. But we'll we'll have to see if that that's a part of 2024 or 2025. Um, I've already gone on a, a limb to say that I'm pretty sure that Cam Smith is finally going to be able to defend his players' championship next year at Sawgrass uh, because he tried, tried to totally whitewash him from the, the history books this past year. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing Cam Smith defend at Sawgrass in about six months time. 
Jay, Jay, on that before we move on from Cam, on before we move on from Cam, have you seen he's playing in the Australian Open, which is on the DP World Tour? So how was that allowed? Because obviously that's great. I want him to. So that was a DP World Tour event. He hasn't had to pay any fines because he wasn't a DP World Tour player. So how is that? Do you understand the machinations of that? I want him to play on it. Great he's playing on it. But does that mean that everyone can go and play in that? I don't know. That's a great question. That is something that I'd like to know the answers to. I I do think that the Cam Smith thing does have to do with the fact that um, he isn't a member of that that particular tour, so he wasn't sub subject to the same fines and regulations that like other players, <laughs> other live live players are. Which that in itself tells you how much of a farce the whole thing was. Like it's so crazy to me that there's still people out there defending these the bans and like these really stupid rules that the PJ Tour and the DP World Tour have been trying to enforce the past year like they were literally like sergio has almost a million dollars in in, uh in fines and such that there was a report that he he was willing to pay all of that in order to play in the Ryder cup um i don't know if that's necessarily accurate but uh i i do think that there are these things that that like um any true fan of golf you should want these players to be able to play these great players, these players that, that we're emotionally invested in that we have followed for 10, 15, 20 years to be able to play in all of these legacy events that mean a lot to them. So I would love to see it. If all of the live uh, players went and uh, played the, the Australian open, you know, I think that that would turn that, that event into maybe not a major championship, but it would be pretty close to it. Like having all of those players in a larger field, having Cam Smith, who's the sort of um, headliner this, this year at live. He, he's one of the great players in global golf. Uh, you know, he, he's a major championship. He, he's, he's a major champion. Uh, uh, like having him headline that, that event with all of the other live players in it, um, in addition to the other deep DP world tour players, all of a sudden you have that event and guys from the U S are, are like, man, I kind of need to play in that, that event. Like I want to play against those, those guys. So like, that's why <clears throat> I think removing a lot of these barriers that we've had um, is like such a cool thing. And that's what I'm really looking forward to in the next couple of years of golf. Yes, I'm super excited for Liv, uh, you know, with a lot of these barriers being removed. I think it's going to be awesome to, to see the trajectory of Liv. What I'm really excited about is like all of the potential crossover that we can now have where you could finally get um, all of these players in select events, not only the majors, but also create these other really important championships. And then maybe also have some of the PJ Tour players play at live part-time like that's an, another theory that i've been floating out there that i'm pretty sure is going to happen in the next couple of years so a, a lot of really exciting stuff happening in, in the world of golf um i'm really excited about the future i think the next year is going to be completely fascinating and i think that we started this podcast at the perfect time how would you guys feel to play devil's advocate regardless of contractual obligations regardless of whether we believe this will happen or not Let's ride this out. How would you guys feel if the door to the PGA Tour is back open? 
Brooks, DJ and Cam decide to go back, play the signature events. They get the best of all the worlds and walk away from live again, regardless of whether that would happen or not, regardless of legally whether it could happen. That's not the question. How would you guys feel about that happening? Um, I would hate it. <laughs> no, that, um, I don't think that that's going to happen. However, like this is something that's been very consistent with every single player that I've talked to at live um, is that, yes, there are certain uh, potential events, either things that, that they're closely connected to places that they've, they've won prior or are places that are close to their uh, place of residence. They would love to come back and play and support those events because they love those events. Like Cam Smith, he loves the Players Championship. He just does. Brooks Kepka, he loves the Waste Management Phoenix Open. He does. Bryson DeChambeau, he loves the Arnold Palmer Invitational. He does. I love seeing those guys in those events. Don't get me wrong. Like I, um, um, if I was forced to make a choice. I would want everybody to sort of stay and live as, as they are. However, uh, my goal for this whole thing from the very beginning, you could check my tweets from like June 2022. My thing has been I wanted these guys to be able to play and select PJ Tour events because the, those players alone elevate those events. I want them to continue playing at live because those players elevate live. And then all of a sudden, a rising tide floats all boats. Like live is going to be in a great, great spot. The the PJ tour is going to be in an even a better spot than, than what it was. And it still blows my mind that there's people out there that like support these bands that are going to like that restrict that in some way. So it's like, I want those players to play in the events that they want to plan on the PJ tour because they all have had these gaps in the schedule and the gaps were created so that those players had the option to play in those events. Um, and I do think that that's probably what, what's going to happen in the future. And um, I'm more than supportive of it because I think that it improves the, the PJ tour and it also improves live. If you do have more crossover and have PJ tour players playing in live events too. If you're if you're going to run it properly and you want to really get the most, this is what's annoyed me. This is what's been done from the very start. I've said from the very start, if the PJ Tour wanted to keep their event strong and keep a relationship, I understand they didn't want to. That's their choice. But if they wanted to, and what they can do going forward is they could say, "Hey Brooks, hey whoever whoever you are, if you're if you had a PJ Tour membership and you want to come back and play." You have to, for every elevated event you want to play or every signature event, whatever they're going to call it, you've got to play one of the other ones. So if you want to play in the Arnold Palmer Invitation, you've got to go play in the Fortinet. It doesn't necessarily be the Fortinet, but I mean one of the, one of one of, one of one and one of the other. So that way that they can make sure they've got good players in their lesser events. I think that'd be a really intelligent thing to say. So if Bryson really wants to play in the Arnold Palmer, he's got to go play the John Deere Classic or he's got to go play the Fortinet or... Or, or the rocket mortgage, whatever it might be. I think that's the easiest way to do it because you're going to get the great players in the big events and also they're going to be in some of the smaller events. All of a sudden, if you've got the, if you've got the, the John Deere and DJ and Bryson both turn up in the John Deere because they want it, because they're not going to play in the Scottish Open, they're going to play, they're going to play a John Deere classic, go play that because then they know they can go play the Arnold Palmer. What a great, what a great way of doing it. 
we've got a good theory there, Ben, on uh, how we can, in my view, how we can make the, I don't want to say the return, but the inclusion of these live players, certainly the big tier, the, the, the top tier live players, make them commit a little bit more fairly to the bigger events whilst not necessarily just cherry picking the money event. So I like that theory, mate. I think that that logic is is sound. And I really like that that notion as well. Um, but we all just need to get our little tinfoil hats out now because, Ben, we're going to wrap with a conspiracy theory from you. I'm not going to say any more than that because no one can tell it like you can. But it does involve one Min Woo Lee. Minwoo Lee, many have thought, is going to be the next one of the next targets for Liv because he's Australian. Get him in the Australian team. Strengthen the Rippers. Get it? Makes perfect sense. Fully understand that thinking. Since that has been rumoured, now I want to go out here. I'm a Minwoo Lee stan. I love his game. I think he's fantastic. I've lost loads of money betting on him. <clears throat> I always think I always think he's going to win. I, I've bet him. I've bet him for the Masters and the. I bet him a few times, and but he's fantastic golfer. We know that. In the last four weeks, and I pointed this out to Jay, who thought I was being crazy, and now agrees with me. The coverage from the PGA Tour accounts and from the um, DP World Tour accounts and other golf media accounts is so much Minwoo Lee. Now I like it because he's great. But I sent Jay a couple of videos this week and there's more Minwoo Lee footage in these videos and there is Raw Real Ram. And it feels very much like they're trying to say, hey, Minwoo Lee, we love you. Please don't go. Look how much we love you. We put loads of videos, you'll swing up. Let him cook. Let him cook. Hashtag let him cook. Great. I think it's amazing. I love Minwoo Lee. I want to see more footage of him. But I think it's absolutely obvious that since the rumors of Minwoo Lee going to live have got stronger and stronger and stronger, the coverage of Minwoo Lee from PGA Tour um, and from DP World Tour, I saw the foreplay guys, they had, like, they had like two or three posts up about him and videos up about him. And he's fantastic. So great, you've got content on him. But the volume of content as a ratio to other players that he never used to get has gone through the roof. And it's, it's to me, it's so blatant. Hey, Minwoo, please go nowhere. Please go nowhere. I get it. You want to keep him, but it's just so funny how they've done it. That's like when you, uh, you're you at work and you're sort of getting a little bit twitchy and the boss who keeps walking past you got no idea who you are and then one day suddenly, do you want to go for lunch? You're like, no, mate, what the fuck is going on here? Of course not. Why would I? No, thank you, Paul. Why would I want to go to lunch? I'm out. And then obviously the week after you stick your month's notice in, off you go. And it's, it's, it's always interesting to see the way that... that not just the media swings, but it, you know, it, it, it's interesting to see how just uh, the consciousness of, of not just golf, but anything when there's when there's something on the horizon for especially someone that's up and coming. Like we've seen it a little bit with Ludwig Eberg, where you know three months ago, wait a second, there's potentially a rising star here, and then suddenly the entire narrative is Ryder Cup. Is he going to be in? Is he going to be out? And then the story is built around. You know, I don't want to say him versus Moronk, but certainly it's him or Moronk as the choice. Not, like we talked about it on the Ryder Cup chat. You know, it, it was never Hogard or Moronk or Hogard or Aberg. It was all. It was. It was those two. So there's always a narrative that comes out. So yeah, fascinating. Jade, have you have you spotted that? Have you, have you got anything to to finish up on with that one, my friend? 
Yeah, for sure. You know, having been dubbed the QAnon shaman of golf, you guys know that I love com- conspiracy theories. <laughs> so I, I hope you have that domain name. <laughs> yeah, I probably need, uh, need to claim that at some point. But uh, yeah, you know, I definitely think the the Min Woo Lee stuff has been interesting. Like I was floating um, him going in to live like probably uh, this is back in I've like I floated a lot of different different names that that I thought were going to be good uh, targets. Some of that was was based based off of intel. Some of it was just based off of things that just made made sense. And like without fail, every name that I mentioned, all of a sudden the PJ Tour and the DP World Tour are promoting the crap out of those guys. And all of, all of a sudden, like Keegan Bradley for for example, like all of a sudden he's got a DraftKings partnership that he. D- that he didn't have before <laughs> after we uh we were saying yeah you know uh, keegan bradley the live seems seems like a lock um and i saw the same thing with xander shoffley like all of a sudden he's got a draft kings uh deal now that he didn't have before so you know look these these are strictly theories that that were floating out there i mean we do have certain intel about other players that you know, are interested in going to live. I don't think there's any question about it. And and why wouldn't you? Like this has been, um, you know, I I just saw Billy Foster, Matt Fitzpatrick's uh, caddy, talk about how, yeah, like who wouldn't want to go play for more money, um, and play less? Like that's like the appeal of that to all of the players that are out there. Like this is a real thing. Um, and people trying to pretend that that it's not need to stop kidding themselves. Like this is a real thing that's out there. If you're able to play golf for more money and play less events, like it's going to be very, uh, very appealing. So, you know, we'll have to see what happens with, with player movement. I do think that this is a really important part of the um, agreement is going to be signed. I'm sure there's going to be provisions in there for player movement. I don't think it's going to be a free for all at all. Um, I think that this is going to be very uh, carefully crafted. Um, I don't think that the DP World Tour is probably involved in this almost at all. So I think this is mostly PGA Tour and Liv and Piff sort of figuring out player movement. So we'll We'll have to see, uh, but I will say I'm totally bought into the Minwoo Lee conspiracy theory now, um, and yeah, we'll we'll have to see what see what happens. But uh, yeah, if anybody, uh, trust me, I uh, I do like conspiracy theories. Uh, some of them have legs, some of them them don't. There's been no shortage of those the last year plus, um, and a lot of them have turned out to be true. So. Um, uh, hashtag QAnon shaman of golf, uh, <laughs> pro golf critic, QAnon shaman of golf. I'm totally fine, fine with that, uh, for now. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how th- things play out, but just, I want everybody to have an open mind to this stuff. Like there, there's a reason why we're floating some of these theories out, out there because they have legs. So I'm not floating anything out, out there that doesn't have some legs to it. So, uh, yeah, just food for thought. I'm going to leave everybody with, with that, uh, for this particular week. Uh, this will be a theme that, that we continue tackling into the future. We shall see time will tell in our very own Q and on shaman of golf will be proven right one more time. Obviously 
We need to give you a nickname now, Ben, because you uh, you, you you came up with that theory and it feels terrible uh, that you didn't. So I'm going to give you one now. You are the Fox Mulder of golf, so please dress appropriately next time I see you. Otherwise, I'm going to be having words with you. That has been episode six, team, and we are in for a treat next week because... Jay and Ben ran a fantastic interview with the wonderful Scott Drummond. Very wide-ranging, very deep in places. And just Scott is very, a very gracious guest who I'm sure we'll have regularly on this podcast. So check that out next week. And good luck to everyone competing at the Solheim Cup this weekend. Good luck, good luck in fact, to everyone at Live Golf Chicago. Uh, Jay, I'm going to see you next week. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about all things golf. Hope you have a great week, dude. You too. Thank you guys again. Uh, another great show and uh, really looking forward to the future. The Fox Mulder of golf. Always a pleasure, mate. Yeah, all I'm going to say is go Cowboys. We've got the best points differential in the NFL. Go Cowboys. I'm going to pretend that I understand that. I don't know what that means. What is a Cowboy? Jay does. Jay what is football? Like it. <laughs> Speaking as a retired yeah, football fan. He was an NFL fan again for three, yeah, well, for three seconds. Look, I'm a retired <laughs> NFL fan until Aaron Rodgers comes, comes back. So, you know. Wait a minute. I I know about... There's a guy called Brady that did some football things, isn't there? Yeah, you're, you're not the right person to talk about this. Oh God. No, I'm only pulling. <laughs> I'm pulling legs. I'm pulling legs. I'm pulling legs. All right, you guys. Listen, it's always a pleasure. Go and tell your friends to check out glugc.com and, of course, your podcast app of choice. Just search for Golf Lovers United. We'll be back next week, and you can hit us up on Twitter as well, at glu golf club so just let us know what you think to the theories to the stories and more until then enjoy your golf look after yourselves and bye bye for now